Hello and welcome back to We Bought a Mic for good mic hunting mm. Mm. on this pop culture podcast celebrating the career of Mr. Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. We Bought a Mic pop culture podcast, a pop culture grail cast Uh huh. Mm-hmm. discussing the Fisher King parentheses 1991 mm-hmm. starring Robin Williams and and uh, oh Jeff uh, Bridges Bezos? the dude um. <laughs> Jeff Bridges <laughs> <laughs> welcome how you guys doing welcome back Drew Hello. yeah welcome how is how is it like your time in living on the streets of New York? Thank you. Um, I like to call it a breaking sabbatical because that's into, what Bill Waterson called you. His. You lived among the Fremen. My name's Ernest. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be one of the harvesters of the sea. I think before my days are done, I want to be a fish a king. Oh, yeah. See, okay. I've been waiting for that. I we can end the podcast now. I just have been thinking about that all day. I'm Hunter and I'm Drew. Bye. Um, you're a real Duncan Idaho. Spending a month in the sieges of the desert. Uh-huh. See, I thought that you actually were really upset because this podcast made somebody kill <laughs> kill a bunch of people. And so because of that, you went hiding onto the streets of New York City. Mm-hmm. We found out that um, the Vegas guy was a big fan of Jesus. <laughs> I was going to give a specific national tragedy. <laughs> he, Jesus. He did it to raise awareness for Halt and Catch Fire. <laughs> oh my God. He, anyway. He blasted Scoop McNary's name into the side of the wall before he no killed one, himself. The media will not cover this. Um, good to be back. What's uh, it like to know that we'll never have anyone of note on this podcast ever again? God, I know. We've got Jenna Malone. Um... Good to know that. I'm very happy about that. Um, happy to come back to talk about this movie, which is really weird and fucked up. Directed by Terry Gilliam, who's yeah, who's weird. Yeah, Money Python. We haven't. Python. Yeah, we Legend. haven't talked too much about Terry Gilliam. Probably, probably not at all. Um, I think I may have. I I definitely brought up Monty Python during our Green Knight podcast as like a great Arthurian legend film which this movie might as well just go in the letterbox list too just <laughs> slot it in there do you have that i i have you, an arthurian you, you, legend bet, you bet your ass <laughs> um but yeah i i shouted out monty python and the holy grail as like the probably the number one all-time best arthurian legend um movie and i think that one of the reasons why we talked about why that movie is great is because uh very much does not take itself seriously and where mm-hmm. a lot of films in that kind of vein are um, lean a little bit too much into the melodrama. And this film does a good job of balancing the fantastical and the melodrama because this movie does have both. I mean, that's Terry Gilliam, aside from his Monty Python films, which are full zany, full satire. Meaning um, of life. Um, Holy Grail, of course. Um I think did he life do Brian. did he do Life of Brian? Um, I don't I've, think he did. Did he not? I mean, he's like part of that group. But like he also did Jabberwocky. Um, like it's that's like a squad, a, a group, a, a platoon, a of troop, people, if a you troop. will. Not platoon. Jesus. Terry Jones directed Life of Brian, also co-director of uh, Holy Grail and Meaning of Life. So I guess. 
they just split same, the yeah. credit you know whoever gets the the directing when, credit what year was life of brian was he like doing that was 79 and holy grail was 75 yeah 75 dude mm-hmm. that's insane um gilliam then post money python went on to make a bunch of uh, american features that failed uh not critically necessarily but monetarily he made some flaps mm-hmm. he made some stinkers he he's very unwavering uh he doesn't work well with production studios he wants full control and he wants more money uh and when he gets it you know he can make good movies but they don't necessarily get good roi yeah what's the is the like most successful american film that he has fear and loathing i think so I would imagine because I'm trying to think through. And by the way, he did write meaning um, Life of Brian. He just didn't direct it. Um, maybe he was directing because I know he also did Time Bandits around that time. So I've been busy doing well, that. Well, the, the other big ones we got to shout out other than Fear and Loathing are 12 Monkeys and yep. Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I actually haven't seen those. Brazil is absolutely nuts. So it, it has visually it has an a feel pretty similar to Fisher King where yeah the the kind of like I, kind of wacky I guess, angles yeah I guess you could up. say I mean Terry Gilliam might be British but his angles are Dutch <laughs> and cross that and one Hunter, off my list that one yeah we that is one thing that everybody knows about me is that I love Dutch angles especially when they serve no narrative purse purpose uh, they, 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 the purpose is to no 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 I, I actually do like it in this sense no I'm, I'm more so just I'm throwing shit at uh, Kenneth Branagh's best director race that he's mm. going for right now you must if you like that then uh, pointless Dutch angles you must love Ron Howard's The Grinch <laughs> oh baby <laughs> Uh, that movie is basically a Terry, Terry Gilliam full. movie if you think about it. <laughs> it kind of is. It has that fogginess to it and all the all the just stupid angles and it makes you feel weird. That's that's a movie that I wish aged better. I watched it <laughs> last Christmas and maybe I'll watch it again this Christmas. I don't know what you're Christmas. talking about. That movie it's it's a perfect physical comedy performance from Jim Carrey. <sighs> that movie is fucking weird. It's weird. weird I like vibes. it lets it be weird. Um there's like a lot of like weird chemistry with the Grinch just trying to fuck this lady. Yeah. Oh, like the, he just he's yeah. so Baransky, yeah, he's trying to fuck Baransky. <laughs> it's like weirdly a horny movie for Which, being a children's Honestly, film. like I get it, you know. That I knows? understand. Yeah. <laughs> you see that, who knows what you're yeah. doing. I also always thought that was Alec Baldwin as the mayor of Whoville. <laughs> and then I rewatched it and just wasn't at all. But Alec Baldwin is in the cat in the hat. Isn't the mayor of Whoville like Tambor or something? Yes, it's so, Tambor. Yeah. So you want to know a fucked up movie is Cat in the Hat. I don't know when the last time you guys watched Cat in the Hat is. It is. That's an insane yeah. movie. Directed that features by the, uh, Smash Mouth doing a Beatles cover. Speaking of us <laughs> talking about Get Back before this that's podcast. Just cool. That's just started. cool. It's it's written and directed by the trio of guys who made Euro Trip, which Scotty doesn't know. And then who went on, Alec Berg went on to make Barry. One you of know, those three guys. You know what? Who I bet was inspired by Terry Gilliam and just kind of by the Monty Python uh, stretch, which, you know, it's not like a one to one comparison of their influences. But whenever I was watching this and especially early Python, it reminded me a lot of early Edgar Wright. With some of the direction choices, of course, kind of the the editing too. The editing, yeah. the it's just visual comedy, man. Like, yeah, not a lot, not a ton of people do it, and Gilliam does a lot of it. Yeah. So you're, of course, man, you just dead, from right. the same same yeah. lineage. You, you know that uh, little Edgar was growing up watching, so watching Holy both Grail. Really good uses of music. They know how to they know how to use a needle drop. 
so and make br- it either be funny or emotionally poignant. You brought a box office. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick. So his best performing movie is actually 12 Monkeys, um, 168 worldwide. Um, then Brothers Grimm. Huh. Brothers Grimm, anybody? That, Heath Ledger, Matt that, Damon. Yeah, that's from like late in Heath Ledger's life. Right? Yeah, like yeah, that's one of his almost his last movies. It's it's oh five, so it's like three years before he passed. Huh. Um, domestic though, his second uh, performing movie is this one. It's the Fisher King. Uh huh. Um, this this is just about doubled its budget, right? It was yeah. a pretty meaty budget. Forty forty one total. So I guess like around maybe fifteen twenty budget, and then Brothers Grimm. Um, I'm just flipping between domestic and and worldwide. Uh, Imagineer of Dr. Parnassus did pretty good worldwide. I do. I do wonder while you're bringing this up, I wonder how much this movie did upon re-release because this was weirdly, it's weird to think about this as an Oscar movie, but this was an Oscar movie. So it likely got re-released right around awards time or got a big bump. This movie uh, won an Oscar. For for my girl Mercedes rule, baby. Yeah. She the rocks. Girl, the yeah. girlfriend. She won the she Oscar. Won an Oscar. Oscar. No. And that's, actress, that's a type bro. of win that just doesn't happen anymore. And like, God damn it, man. This she is so goddamn good. She should leave Jeff There's, Bridges bum ass. Yeah, no, that's the one thing. <laughs> man, oh he's God. so awful to her. He sucks. So <laughs> There's one specific scene that we'll talk about as we get into. That was definitely like the Oscar scene where you see somebody go from the highest of highs jumping on Jeff Bridges lap to like throwing shit at him in the course yeah. of like four it's a marriage story moment like it really is like a scene where you get the full yeah. gambit of emotions but directed by face. terry gilliam so it's just got that that wackiness to yeah. it that but uh, i mean it is it's not it's not farcical at that time like he doesn't this movie never becomes a farce in any way like it's still kind of sincere which i think is one yeah, of the reasons especially why the works. back of it yeah and it plays with with fantastical elements without going full fantasy because i've seen bits of brazil and from what i've seen that movie like it's absolutely it's set awful. in like a different reality it's yeah much. it's a full this movie is pretty sort of dystopic like it gets into that it gets into class structure um, a good amount. Obviously, we're dealing with uh, the homeless crisis, <laughs> you know, like this crisis rich, in New York and very, mental illness. Yeah, we're getting very rich versus poor. Brazil. Yeah, is is another world. Uh, and it's it's just like an unbelievably heightened, like political cartoonist idea of what classism is. And it's um, that's not to say that it's bad at all. Actually, it's very it's fascinating to watch because it's like if you took this style to like its end, it also didn't do well at all. Uh, one hallmark of a lot of Gilliam's later movies like this is they have a horrible title for a movie. The Fisher King doesn't tell you shit about well, this it, movie. It's based on the Arthurian legend. I know, but yeah. you don't call it that. Yeah. I'm sure that this is what he's notorious for fighting for hours on end with execs. No exec would ever want this movie to be called the Fisher King. Right. Just like no Brazil does not describe that fucking movie. <laughs> do you think do you think that the there was some producer who's like, what if we called it Hit the Road Jack? Hmm. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> He is definitely like a Howard Stern type. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeff Br- Br- Jeff Bridges is really the protagonist of the movie. Yeah. He gets by far the most. Ro- time. Robin is really not in it that much. No. He definitely gets a few very key scenes. He's, he's just second build because, you know, he's Robin Williams. He's top bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is now this is we're about to really start hitting that run. Yeah. It's 91. Of, so. It kind of starts yeah. right. Like, I mean, you know, he has like his. 
his flirtations with it. But now we're like getting people are casting Robin Williams because they see his performance in this movie. And they're like, oh, I want that character well, in my movie. The last the last Robin movie we talked about was um, Awakenings, which we discussed that he kind of goes he kind of overcorrects in that movie and we don't get like any classic Robinisms in that movie and in this one he kind of he kind of pulls it back to a good middle because you still have a lot of dramatic beats Mm -hmm. but plenty of like what we want from the guy yeah he's not um, he's playing a very comedic silly version of an insane man but he's not he we know how insane robin williams can be and he's not doing that it's he's not going aladdin mode necessarily right but this is the most insane that we've seen robin williams so far i think yeah it's it's just it's not the most animated we've seen him because good morning vietnam he's like on, on all the time you know what i mean the yeah. whole movie. we're not getting that we're not getting the lucidity even though he is still nuts uh but he yeah. does he does do a couple movies in between though we we should we should say there is um uh something called Cadillac Man <laughs> any Cadillac Man stands out came out there? the same year as Awakenings 1990 um then there's something called Shakes the Clown which <laughs> looks absolutely deranged I really want to see Shakes the Clown this looks incredible <laughs> and then something called Dead Again huh. so so you know nothing of note um hey you know who directed dead again kenneth the king of the dutch angle kenneth brana these are probably bit roles you know that's probably why they're not like you know sticky to the the robin canon uh cadillac man he is on the poster so that one i guess you know they they attempted something there but uh fisher king you know he is i i think you know a co-lead to an extent um i know um our girl um, Mercedes, Mercedes Rule. is is Rule, also maybe. up there, Man, but yeah, no. he he's he's right up there with him. And I think that like you know this his performance kind of exemplifies the movie the 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 two tones that this movie is playing with the the tragedy and the insane wackiness yeah, of it. He's I, giving you both. It almost fascinated me that we didn't see a little more of him in the movie. Um, we really there are a lot of uh, chunks where we really stick to Jeff Bridges. Uh, not that that's bad, by the way. Jeff Bridges is a very interesting actor for this role. Um, he does a good job. We're we're what like five years before the dude. Something um, it's something like that. Yeah, I mean we're after we're in Lebo- between this is like ninety one. Lebowski's and- like mid nineties. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's this is post Big Trouble. Yeah. He's aging. Um, he's probably like in his forties maybe, but he's still a very good looking dude. Um. And I don't know. It's just it's not necessarily who I would pin as Lebowski's 98 this role, especially because this is a dynamic, even though it's it's way plottier and more metaphoric uh, than these other movies. It's the same dynamic that you would see in planes, trains and automobiles. Like it's it's crazy guy, uh, sane square guy. Like, yeah, uh, the the twist on the Bridges character is that he's not fully square. He's he's like a you know like a, a shit bag um who sucks right and literally just wants to not feel guilty anymore so real quick i i just want to read the the log line in case anybody listening hasn't seen the movie um a former radio dj suicidally desperate because of a terrible mistake he made finds redemption in helping a deranged homeless man who was an unwitting victim 
of that mistake. So yeah, let's let's go ahead and just say that what the mistake is. Right. So it, it, I like that the movie waits to sh- it show does. you. It tells you like you mm-hmm. hear about it early. Yeah. But you don't actually see it until like pretty much the end of the movie. And it's fucking nuts. It <laughs> like is, when that when that gets dropped, yeah. like what, like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, you're yeah. like, excuse me. Right. Um, can we say? Yeah, so if you, I, well, if you don't want to hear, yeah, I I had not seen this movie before. I don't know about you. No, guys. I didn't. I, I didn't know shit it about either. it, and I I you know I encourage the viewer to also not know shit about it. But in that case, don't listen to this because we're going to talk. Well, about then it. maybe maybe we'll save it for spoilers. But it is gruesome, and it 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 directly involves Robin Williams' character. It's it's just an insane turn from all that we've seen so far in the movie before that point. Is he is a radio host in a very uh gray <laughs> solo radio studio uh he's yeah he's something of a shock jock he's stern-esque um even though he his studio is so fun looking to me it's so insanely dark well, the, the, the opening scene no, is the reveal crazy. of it being jeff bridges is kind <laughs> of in something in itself. you just you see his see- mouth movie and then you see the hair slick back i'm like <laughs> Wait, that's is that Jeff fucking Bridges? Like, what is that look? Yeah, like, and and he did used to be a piece him. of shit. <laughs> and it does slick back real slick nice. Slick back. <laughs> He's rocking the same haircut that Tom Cruise had in The Last Samurai. Yeah, which he, is just a wild. He choice. has a modern man bun <laughs> yes. haircut. Well, it's also the same haircut from uh, Magnolia. He, that's yeah. A, a lot of his fits in this too are just so like like. Uh, younger millennial like heartthrob well it's it's funny that like those two like awful people mistake him for a homeless man and he's he's just dressed like how he always dresses and they're like oh let's beat up this homeless guy and he's like no i'm just a disgraced dj (laughs) just like a sad drunk so yeah so the event happens uh it throws us for a loop all we have seen so far is he's a radio host who like is a shitbag and then uh he he has gf we see on the tv the what happened and then flash flash forward three years immediately after that that is wild it's been like 10 15 minutes yeah and we're going three years ahead we're already and the style has already established that this is like a zany like nutso movie but we get such a pang of seriousness um and then three years pass and he's just like a a shitbag bf (laughs) he's just the same but he's lost his job he's poor he sucks more. You know what I was I kept thinking about while watching this movie and maybe it's because the last Robin Williams film that we watched was Awakenings, but like there is a much 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 worse version of this movie if just if you just change the director and you yeah. make the director somebody who wants to take this seriously because there is a shit version of this movie where it's like actually like a pretty like telling ex- like story about the problem of homelessness and mental illness in our country. Uh, yeah. And I kept thinking like that I could very easily see a worse filmmaker and a worse script veering into that direction where it's yeah. like the fantastical line, like it becomes just a hundred percent dead serious by the second half of the movie. And it's actually like, that's it's true. definitely a worse movie in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. Because this movie does get serious, but the, the homeless angle that it takes is it's a satire of how America treats the homeless. It's, it is directly it's making fun of the country it's but it's not just explicitly yelling at the audience like this is bad like it's making jokes out of it not targeted at the homeless yeah. they but it's still making jokes. they explicitly say it at a certain point whenever they're trying to pitch jeff bridges yeah. idea for a second there's like no it's like three homeless dudes but like they love being homeless yeah. and here's the, it, the, the title home free yeah <laughs> 
it, it's that was a really good scene that was yeah that's that's just yeah it's it's another heightened that's yeah. a heightened writing moment in addition to all the right. heightened heightened visuals is that moment is like the most uh pure form of irony you could reach that's way later on though so we're three years ahead he has gf of my dreams um mercedes ruel I, I said on Letterbox, my entire review was just if I if I had chatty Italian video store owner <laughs> GF with a heart of gold, I would simply love her. I man, I, you, I don't think it's that hard, Jeff. I, she, she's you, great. You and, Literally, you just have to love her, man. You she and is, my wife have the same taste in women where it's just like, can I get Mercedes rule or share and moonstruck? <laughs> and that can be my wife yeah, now. I want Mercedes, man. She's so fucking cool. I love her as an actress in this. I thought mm-hmm. she absolutely that the reason that that these well, one reason that you wouldn't give an Oscar to this now is because just generally they don't like comedy. But this is a, you know, the, a pretty thankless wife r- role that's really elevated by like the fact that this movie's interesting. Yeah. Um, but sh- literally it's a thankless character. Like she doesn't get thanked for doing so much work mm-hmm. in this movie and being so good and pure. Um, and she just acts the absolute fuck out of the role. Yeah. Like that, that I love her when she's playing matchmaker with the girl that Robin is uh, obsessed with that that is high up there in my best moments when so, we get there every scene with her she's stealing it she's stealing moments from Jeff man like she's she's owning the movie whenever she's in it uh even though it's not about her I mean and you're right like this the script doesn't even necessarily do her all the justice and like the script is like fine it's better than a lot of thankless wife roles of this time but it's still not great it's far from great and it's mostly just her and it's kind of a shame that she owns she a video store can really you imagine do anything else can you imagine stumbling upon a woman man can <laughs> so i just cool. say every scene in the video store where they clumsily knock over like a thousand vhs tapes like that was my shit i could have just watched like hours of it yes um that's my version of cringe comedy also the watching uh physical media get harmed also the porn titles creamer versus creamer <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it won awards i um <laughs> that's another, just great bit. well that's actually that's actually another <laughs> pretty significant part of this movie is that's a hard r movie this is rated r yeah like there there's we do we see robin dong yes a little yes. bit yes we yep. see peen nope. we, we i'm not sure I, if my I, tv I if my tv <laughs> they definitely do some kind of like uh early editing tricks where they make it darker on yeah. his mid-region than i was they do trying anywhere to- else <laughs> I, I think, I think he I just saw- has a dark penis. <laughs> it's a lot of hair. He's a hairy guy. Jesus. His shaft is covered in hair. <laughs> it's a full like two and a half foot bush. Yeah. He grew a his own mosaic blur. <laughs> Basically. I I will say I thought this movie was just like pretty good. No, I it's I very flawed. I didn't love it. Like it's insane. Yeah. It's an it's one of those movies where I'm like I'm just glad that someone got to make it right. because it's yeah. it's it's one of one and it's fucking nuts and there's plenty you could change. Uh, sometimes I think maybe Gilliam could take some studio notes and like this movie's too but, long. But it when he gets to do his shit, that's the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it just like he gets to like let loose and show a fucking flaming night demon. <laughs> yeah, that like, shit. Rips. That was amazing. That was that was some green night shit. Exactly. <laughs> but what when I came down on uh, on it a little bit more, kind of you know, I guess disappointed. But I wasn't really disappointed because I like the movie. I think it's a good movie. I just think that 
for me personally, it didn't quite balance the clashing tones as well as I think. It no, could have. no, I a hundred percent agree. And that actually is also the best argument for why it needs the length, because even with all this length, there still was whiplash for me. Um, going from one yeah. mood to another and there's no way to avoid that because he wanted seriousness and he wanted you know the urn but he this movie has to have insane physical comedy in right. it or else it's nothing for the first half yeah because like, there's you were, no way to avoid that what you were saying earlier about like the worst version of the movie that's just a straight drama like of course that's a wor- worse version but when you're dealing with this kind of subject matter about like the real crisis of homelessness and you're also like injecting this wackiness into it, this fantasticalness into it. It does kind of take away from the heft that I personally would want from a movie like this. But you do get heft in these moments, like towards the end when we see the full flashback to like what actually happened to Robin before all of this. Like, I think that lands pretty well. And I think that you do have this real moment of seeing like, okay, homeless people are people and a series of events and circumstances have led them to this misfortune that they now live in. Yeah. You, you get a taste. Of I, that. I agree with you overall. I like, I, I don't love the movie. I love that it is. I love that it exists because the, I think the best way to watch this movie and really appreciate it is to compare it to modern studio comedies. Like the so much had to probably be fought over to to include into this movie. Uh, I can't imagine this being made with the money that it was made for now. Like there, it can't be. It, What's the Judd Apatow version? <laughs> exactly. Like this, this has so much ingenuity and like singular vision to it. And there is a lot that I, you know, watching it critically, you could absolutely say that's weird or there Galeon movies are very notoriously production nightmares and you can see that sometimes some there are certain scenes where I was like what do they only have like 30 minutes for this fucking scene why are all these takes so bad they did shoot in New York though and there are some like good like New York is a nightmare scenes yeah it's it's just like there's that unevenness that you would get with a you know a director who's famous for that um there's just there's also really fascinating shit going on um so I I love watching it more than i love the movie i I will say that i because i do i i agree with a lot of what you're saying about like it's very tonally uneven and not in a good way but i don't know maybe it's just me personal preference and it was me knowing that's terry gilliam who's making this but I'm just like fully not interested in like like his take on what homelessness is in America. Like yeah. that's just I don't care about that. Like and I understand that's like a true criticism and a true something that you can really weigh against this movie and levy against it. But I just personally like I'm not interested in that take and it or like I'm not interested in to like what that means because guess what this movie isn't getting made today and if it is getting made today it's a worse fucking movie because it's gonna dive more into those things right yeah it's yeah and it's not even necessarily that uh that bugged me like I, I was I was sort of fine with the level we reached it's just uh narrative stuff there are things 
and this is this is what comes with probably having a background in like full farce is like there were points when it felt like the entire narrative had just been abandoned and like everything that happened didn't <laughs> yeah, no, matter when, i forgot about the holy grail for like a part of the movie and i was like oh yeah that's right that doing. there's that okay. there's there there's a decent chunk in which it really seems like every single amount of character growth that had happened didn't matter anymore uh at a certain point the in the Jeff movie and i was like when that, Jeff bridges does just do like leave her he's just like actually i don't know if he, i love you it's kind of like a just, wait what it's what just here? It, it was really frustrating even though you know it's not going to be permanent you know that you know but still you're i was watching it like well you you could have a movie with just like some weight you don't have right. to go all or nothing it well, kind of goes back to that, like, needlessly too long. Like, this movie should have just been two hours flat. There's no reason for this movie to be two hours and 20 minutes long. Um, our guys, uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, did not like this movie. And one of the main things they kind of railed on is how it kind of has this tacked on third act a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's all about Jeff Bridges' growth, <laughs> yeah. which we had been watching, but then it was undone. Right. Exactly. So I think and that, that's, that really, yeah. really frustrated me. Man. I think that's the pain point is that like there's moments that feel like are setting up that bit of the movie that are like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, wh- where are we going? Why? It's because they wanted to also have not just seeing Jeff Bridges at his low and come back, but they wanted to have see robin williams at the high but he has to go down to the lows for him to come back and i just think like that low is just unnecessary like i feel like robin williams never needed to get his ass kicked like we could have just it completely axed that whole yeah. point they he got emotional growth by learning to be with i'm talking about jeff bridges got emotional growth by learning compassion for robin williams and getting closer with his girlfriend um, that was enough hold on there's one other person i really really need to shout out and it's it's uh, the mustachioed homeless character that guy who does so who does oh my god probably the, so one of the funniest cringe performances I've ever seen yes singing the song um, is it Ted Ross I don't know no that's limo bum <laughs> Jesus um, I'm not sure I did want to ask while you're looking that up though because you know Terry Gilliam has all these crazy like costumes and sets. Mm-hmm. Did you guys feel like some of the sets were like intentionally bad? Yes, he in Brazil. It's a thing he does to Brazil is all about the like the modern metropolis and bureaucracy and how like like modern work is so soul sucking that everything becomes monotonous. That's how I felt in his radio studio. It is a there's nothing on the wall. Yeah, like, this is a very successful man with a successful show. He's all alone in there and it's gray. It's yeah. dark gray. The the video store, too. That's what got me. I was like, can't you make this look a little mm. bit more real? Like the they're knocking over the 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 cassette cases and you can tell there's they're empty like there's nothing in them they're just empty cases i'm like can you just um, can you put something in there the, uh, the actor is michael jeter yeah i was gonna say our guy you know how i recognize him from his mocap work in the polar express <laughs> he yeah he was tom hanks's character <laughs> he actually played all the tom hanks's he's really um, great he, yeah, there's the singing. Is there's great. some, some <laughs> absolute up, killers. Shows up at our girls' in this movie. Yeah, he he rules. Mercedes, I cannot speak enough about. I thought she knocked it out of the park. Like just there, I think there are a lot of scenes, a lot of really drawn out conversation scenes between her and Jeff Bridges that don't really add much to the plot. I think that 
it was a matter of like, this is just the best material we have in the edit bay. Like these conversations are electric because they are both great actors. They yeah. have good chemistry. Like even though his character was so awful, uh, they work together. Uh, so I, yeah, I appreciated that overall. I don't, I'd say like in reality, the movie is probably like a seven. Yeah. Um, I just, which is still good. That's, that's still good. good and it's also, it's a, a parabola breaker where like, I liked watching it as if it were like, awful but just because it's it's good in like fascinating ways it's good in ways that other sevens are not good you know yeah it's I, good in original ways i think i'm a little bit higher on it like i i'd still come in if i was to put a letterbox grade i'd still give it like an eight um an eight out of five stars wow. um, yeah. <laughs> no just because i think that like there's the perfect amount of Robin Williams for what he's doing in this yeah. movie. His like, intro? I think that, oh. Yeah, I mentioned like, that there could have been more. And the thing is, like, I feel like there it could have been too much Robin Williams. If he's going this zany, like especially how you see him in the beginning of the movie, where he's like fucking going all in, talking to the floating people, which that does calm down a little bit as the movie goes on. Yeah, fucking, um, I was hoping it would. because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um, never really got an interrogation to those floating people, but... <laughs> Um, I think they were literally eye floaters. Like he was, he rubbed his eyes really hard and he was like, no, I see them. Remember? They were like, I, they were like, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. He was giving that himself eye floaters. It, yeah. I, but like, I think that like he is so good and it makes sense that he was nominated. Uh, this is kind of a theme of Robin Williams throughout his career that we'll get into is kind of making the most with limited screen time. He is like the ultimate, um, dare I say it, Dion waiters, uh, of like films where he's, I mean, he's great. We're going to talk about some great films that he is the bona fide star of. But also, I think that he is kind of the perfect supporting actor. Well, he got nominated for lead, though. Well, because it is it's the same thing that we talked about with Dead Poets Society. Right. Where it is. He's definitely not the lead of that movie. But you come away from this movie thinking about his performance. I was still thinking about his performance, even though he's not in this movie nearly as much as Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Pop is, quiz. Jeff is normie. Who did he lose to? Oh, 1991. Hunter. You gotta know, man. What's this give me him. Be, What's what one? Uh, what the, one best picture this the, year? No, you you should know this off the top of your head. I'm not. I'm not doing <laughs> this right now. Oh, <laughs> yikes! Oh, it's a bad one. Who won Best Actor in 1991, Hunter? <laughs> what the, the 92 Oscars? The yeah. 92 Oscars. So the year 1991 in film. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Robin Williams and hook. Um, <laughs> tell me Mobley. You want me to tell Oh my God. Oh my God. Of course. It's Hopkins. Yeah, that's right. Oh, 90, yeah, of course. Silence, I was going to tell maybe. you the other nominees might jolt you. The other, the other nominees, Nick Nolte for Prince of Tides, your favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Warren Beatty and Bugsy and Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Good uh, actors, say, yeah. not the best. Movies. Yeah, I was gonna say, kind of not a very good year <laughs> for a, the that's a Hopkins, Oscars. That's a um, sweep for Hopkins. That's a you, unanimous. The Hopkins thing is one. that if you look at the Oscars, I mean, Silence of the Lambs is a perfect film in every single way, and it deserved all of the plaudits. But if you look back at that award show, it makes sense why Silence swept everything because it's not a great award movie year. Yeah, this movie, good, good movie year, nineteen ninety one. There's some good shit that came out, but not a lot of good like award films. This movie also nominated for best art direction, set design, lost to Bugsy. Couldn't tell you, man. Couldn't could, tell you about that. Just think about there was a time when 
Fisher King, a comedy, and Silence of the Lambs were at the top of the Academy Award landscape. That's Just like think, man, that's what a wild time to be alive. It really fascinates me that Fisher King got got love. It all well, it also it's got what, nominated for writing. Yeah, lo, it's, a Terry, it's Terry Gilliam love. It's because he is now had he's now had fifteen years of like notoriety for being a comedic legend. At this point, he has inspired people right. in Hollywood to go on. To yeah, make I'm, films. Sh- I'm sure Hollywood. If this was very his like, second well, film, people he don't have like his it. movies, but like we do, right? Yeah. You know, also nominated for best music, uh, original score, lost to Beauty and the Beast. There's. As particularly yeah, in, the, well, in the beginning of this movie, there there are some uh, soundtrack choices that place this in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They like for the percussion used on these tracks are it's like woof. Um, should we yeah. um get into the categories? Oh well, actually, we should just go ahead and 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 do the spoiler. So just skip forward like you know a minute. Um. If you don't want to hear the spoiler, but yeah. we want, we should talk about no, a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> the little, uh, I'll put the time. Out of it. So he caused a, a shooting, a mass shooting in 1991. So, so Jeff Bridges through his radio show is unable to calm down a caller. Is that what's implied that somebody no, is calling? No, no he, and somebody is calling in. They're just like, I really think I found love this time. And he's just like, it's a, she's a fucking yuppie dude. Just, you know what they need to do? They need to be taken out in the back and shot. Like, it's just like doing like shitty X one Oh one. I didn't even, think, I didn't even think that it was that guy on the phone. I, d- I, think I just that's think what's that, the implication. I just think it like radicalized some dude. I think the implication is that it is, is that one dude. of, cause we hear a couple conversations in that opening scene. He just, yeah, and it just, it sparked this guy to shoot up a murder-suicide, a a bar full of yuppies. And see, and I can't believe my mom wouldn't let me play Grand Theft Auto because she thought I would kill school, but she did let me listen to the radio. Mm, Are you kidding me? Jennifer, are you listening? Mass shootings didn't, were not like uh, in the public lexicon so much in 91. Columbine hadn't happened yet. Like, this is a really interesting uh, plot device. To start the movie like that? Yeah, this is what drives things into motion is a mass shooting at a bar. Like that, that just, it really threw me for a loop. Yeah. For a 91. And then movie. in the, in the final, you know, kind of act of the movie, we actually see it. Yeah. They, yeah. they show it. Gruesome, almost like too much uh, that you see. Yeah, you see literally intense. his Robin Williams wife guts get blasted into his face. He, yeah. Like he, that's, it's was like brains. too, too he, much. Yeah. He's a, he's a schizo. He goes on a great date with this fucking weirdo chick. Um, they get up to her doorstep. He gives a long monologue about he's a full stalker. Um, <laughs> yeah. She loves that. <laughs> She's apparently Dude, very into it. <laughs> I, I love Amanda Plummer. She's only in like a few movies that I've seen. I mean, most notably in Pulp Fiction in the diner scene at the very end mm. is her most notable role. Probably people. Is she pumpkin? Her from. Yeah, she's pumpkin. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, no, I saw her and I was like immediately like, oh, my God, that's fucking pumpkin. Oh my God. Yeah, no, um, that's this. Yeah. It's just it's emblematic of just like how men thought women wanted them to be back then like yeah it's like you're watching you're like girl like, like this guy is admitting he's, to being like an he's insane telling you person. like yeah what you have for lunch every day <laughs> That's you're bad. like oh he's interested yeah and they yeah they he kiss cares. but he can't stop being a schizo and like thinking about his uh dead wife who he you know the reason yeah he's so insane supposedly is that he won't admit to himself that that's any of that's true uh but, so, i mean also just the way it's depicted 
mm-hmm. you get so much with so little because it's just a couple of shots. It mm-hmm. happens in like maybe like a minute yeah, of screen the, time the, tops. It's and it's like a big. It's very very theatrical. <laughs> David Hyde Pierce just coming in there shooting up the it's, place. That wasn't him doing the shooting though. That wasn't D- him? David Hyde Pierce was um, Jeff Bridges like his confidant when he was a radio host because he comes back later. Oh, that dude kind of looks like. No, I know it was. It was bad. I thought that it was. He looks a lot like him. Yeah, but so so it's a very theatrical, like almost like paradeish interpretation of the shooting, where it's like it's on the street. the The red knight is pulling through. Mm Um, but there's like it's like intercut with yeah. bits of him just like running into an ambulance. Exactly. You see, yeah, his wife gets shot and it splatters all over him. Uh, and this is all too much for him, so he goes back down to the underpass where the rich teens beat up homeless people because they're like wow. the same two we, guys. Our, our parents pay a whole what? lot of money to live here. Where where was his fucking squad the second time? Where were his boys at? Yeah, he did have a whole crew. He's, That's right. This is why I didn't even think of hose, that. man. He abandoned them so he could. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you're hanging out with Jeff Bridges. Fucking, yeah. or probably Michael Jeter is like, fuck him. You got, he got <laughs> a job. He got a job at the video store, so he's no longer like, <laughs> yeah, part of the crew. He, um, I I like the chemistry that they have on the date, though. You know, where they're both just like inconsolably weird <laughs> so it works in some weird way and then it causes jeff bridges and mercedes to be happy and it just yeah. becomes like a big laughy that's like, a good fest. scene i really loved that's it, a man. really good moment yeah i really really enjoyed that i loved how it brought mercedes and jeff together also the look of that restaurant like mm-hmm. i love restaurants yeah like, a, like, like an upscale sit down chinese place yeah yeah mm-hmm. got a nice rotating table love that yeah it was it's it's just very fun. You can tell that there's a lot of uh, ad lib takes because it was essentially just a montage of like them dropping things <laughs> for like two minutes. Well, and, and Robin no, doing like his thing. Yeah, Rob, yeah, Robin, yeah, he Rob, starts singing. Yeah, he sings like, a it's song. Great. It's and like, but like the vibe is good somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, hey, yeah, this, exactly. Kind of sexy. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> cool. Let's get it on. But then yeah, he can't handle it. He goes to go die. Um, he gets comatose he gets he gets fucked up bad he hallucinates it being the red knight instead of these guys that was cool as hell that that was the shadow of the red knight behind the the fisher king right that's is that the fisher king? no no the fisher king is i don't think so no so the story with the fisher king is that which he tells that's a great monologue yeah while he's laying naked in central park he tells this story um about the Fisher King was uh, fucking. What is it? It's, it's, it's like the like last. He, uh, here, I, I'll pull it up. Okay. Um, I, I'm not going to read I'm the butcher the story. So yeah, just the the gist. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's it's basically like um, uh, a guy a guy who um has the the holy grail yeah well no he's like gives everything in his life up for the holy grail and then like he's at the end of his life and he like asks a man for a sip of water and somebody like a peasant or the town fool or something like that gives him a chalice and it's the the holy grail here's the here's the the wikipedia like synopsis of the whole uh, monologue that he gets which is an amazing monologue it might be like one of the best scenes in the movie Perry tries to enlist Jack's help in getting the grail, explaining that the Fisher King was charged by God with finding the Holy Grail, but incurred an incapacitating wound for his sin of pride. A fool asks the king why he suffers. And when the king says he is thirsty, 
the fool gives him a cup of water to drink. The king realizes the cup is the grail and asks, how did you find my brightest and bravest could not find what my brightest and bravest could not? The fool said, I don't know. I only knew that you were thirsty. Mm. Um. So, yeah, it's basically like the 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 one guy who like has the grail. Right. Yeah. And it's it that's the Fisher King. So I I think that's the thing is that like maybe I just and Terry was trying to kind of move away from just being like full zaniness. But I think that is the one thing like I I wanted more wacko. I wanted this movie to go more crazy. I think about like when you first meet Robin Williams and he pulls up with the squad of homeless people and they like Great beat the moment. shit out of them. I wish the entire movie kept that energy because that energy I was just like 100% I'm here for. It. Let's just like vibe out in this like mm. weird fantastical underbelly of New York yeah. that's just existing parallel to the real New York that we know. Yeah, it's just it's just odd where we go with it. I guess because the entire heist scene of him getting the grill, I didn't really care for, to be honest. I yeah, thought- I mean that's that's what that's what Gene and Roger are kind of talking about. It it just feels like it doesn't quite no. click yeah, doesn't, with the it, rest it of it. It didn't movie. at all. It it felt like and it also it felt like a production like wrapping up scene. Like it didn't feel like they had time to do there are a lot of things that Gilliam doesn't do. Like we're like th- this is obviously a great chance for a ton of physical comedy. Uh, and instead of physical comedy, we get Jeff Bridges just sort of whispering little quips to himself. Well, that and that's scene, not funny. That scene would have fit more in the movie Hunter was just kind of pitching where it kind of goes more fantastical and you kind of descend mm-hmm. more into this yeah. underworld for the entirety it's, of the movie. It's just bad comedy to have him like talking to himself for like five minutes, just being like, oh, thank God no one looks up in this city. <laughs> like, I'm, are you kidding me? I, we were just watching the craziest visual gags you've ever seen, you know? <laughs> Um, and then like, you know, there's, there's like another chance for a visual gag where it's like, they must have just not had money left is when he's leaving the house, there's a laser in front of the door. He sets off the laser and then just walks out. It just, no, he just like leaves. That yeah. can't be what was scripted. No, he that's just, awful. He just walks away and then just like sneaks back into the hospital. Like, why even put a laser there? For like, like movie wise, like I, it doesn't add anything. I, I, I will also, say. Also, is that dude dead? He died. Yeah, so he's dead. So that's just nothing. That that just goes. That goes literally nowhere. He got the Grail though. Yeah. Is that is that like some Arthurian (laughs) legend thing of like does the Fisher King die after drinking a sip out of the Grail? Like is that it might? I feel like that's probably got to be some kind of a. I don't know. I kept thinking about because I, um, I kept thinking about like why why is he dead? <laughs> well, I, well, I kept thinking about Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusade. How there's mm-hmm. that knight that's like 500 years old next to the Grail, <laughs> and it's I was like, is that who Jeff Bridges is about to be or find? Um, it it was a tough read. I don't know that that whole sequence. They were. I mean, they're right. That felt weird. It felt like they were running out of money and time yeah. and patience. Uh, he gets back. There is a pretty touching scene actually where Robin finally wakes up and Jeff isn't looking at him, but he's crying a single tear because Robin woke up and is like, Hey, I'm not crazy anymore. This is how mental illness works. Um, <laughs> dude, man. I mean, it's 1991. I don't expect this movie to get schizophrenia, right? Man. Well, so this is, this is, I, this is what I wanted to bring up because like, I think that even though part of me feels like I would have 
like this movie more if it did tackle those themes with more gravity. I appreciate so much what we got. Like I'm, I'm happy with what we got because I, like yeah. it's such a, 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 even though I feel like it didn't balance the tones, like going from the tones, you know, kind of back and forth flawlessly, like mm-hmm. what we got is, is so good. Like the, the moments where I felt like the movie was trying to show us how harrowing and taxing and nightmarish it must be to be a homeless person in New York City. Yeah. Like that I love those parts of the movie. That's Th- those that's things right. so also true. the like I said, this is 91. The more we delve into the specifics of homelessness and mental illness, the worse it would probably age because yeah. we're in a <laughs> way different place that's now true. in our discourse of those things. Yeah. Can I one thing that speaking of just the homelessness in New York of <laughs> kind of symbolic of a certain time is uh homeless people were allowed to be indoors at places like i i think we're yes, going to talk so we're going to talk about for the best scenes but uh when they're in uh central station um and like there's the line of homeless people and yeah and so that and that was one of the best that was easily the best grounded moment of the whole movie is the monologue by that other homeless guy so with the american flag who's just like yeah they will they pay me so they don't have to look at me yeah like that entire monologue was like great so screenwriting that's incredible it wasn't for this movie but it was it was perfect <laughs> writing. there's that and then the way that and that's a perfect that's one of the few times in this movie where the blending of the themes works so flawlessly where you have that moment that great speech from just a guy just some random actor just killing giving, it just absolutely yeah. throwing heaters and then robin locks eyes with his <laughs> He's love like wandering and around everyone starts ballroom dancing like around yes! central station oh my god yes i was just like had chills and this movie didn't really give me i wouldn't say that it's like was one of the most one of the more emotionally poignant movies that i've ever seen but like it that scene got to me a bit I that's am, that's I am, one of no that my was that was fucking for, i think that's a great call i think that's, that was that's that, was defi- awesome. that might be my pick for the scene of the movie. i'm glad you brought that up i i am warmer on the movie now kind of thinking back to those moments that was, that was scene, man. that was a really good moment i also wanted to go back to the moment where he does get attacked by the fucking awful guys because like you know we keep bringing this point about like how the whole like jeff bridges journey felt tacked on and like i'm wondering if like maybe there might have been a version of this movie that ends in that heaviness of like Robin dies under the bridge and like that's it. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Do you think there might have been a version of the script that kind of went there? May I don't know because I don't know that it would be a, like a Gilliam tack on like that's not so, I mean the studio is not going to go for that shit mm. you know what I mean yeah the, the only scene, way the studio goes for that is if that you still have you have a third act and it's just about like full what is what is Jack going to do because that's like, what I thought was going to happen weight of this like like this emotional connection they had and he never got to tell him that he's the reason why he's been put in this situation and the guilt and like it becomes a lot, lot heavier that way. Just, I don't know if it's it better. Just, it feels so fumbled, man, because then we we flash forward. This time, we it doesn't say how much time passes, but we flash forward. Jeff Bridges is right where he started. Um, it seems as though like years have gone by. He's He's got his exact show back, the same studio. He's the same guy. He's got the shades, the gray suit, and he sees the cabaret singer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he acts like he doesn't know him and you're like are you kidding like what the, no. why have we watched this whole movie right. and then it just like that with the snap of another finger he goes straight back to fucking robin williams's old <laughs> house so that's that's so what that's pretty bad no that is uh you brought up the time frame and what is happening and how long is that gap because it seems like it was both like immediate and also like it like yeah took years like maybe he a got month. his old job back <laughs> he has he's getting pitched sitcoms to be a part yeah. of after fucking disappearing off the face of the earth for years he said he had a book out he, he is- <laughs> Fuck! Yeah. He's fucking like that was mentioned. Yeah, like so years went by like, in which he fully went stone faced, did not talk to his GF. Yeah, did not like even delve into. Rumblings I'm sorry, at all. Mercedes Rule is moving on from you, okay, buddy? Oh, like she, she, if, she brother, if, I, if I'm there, uh-huh. in. I'm uh, listen. I'm built. Listen, different. you gotta give me a free membership to the video store. Yeah, um, I would. I would stop having the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, bring her, bring her on, man. She owns a video she, store. I, I, I just think want to she might take be some able Kramer to talk a little Kramer. bit about about a thing or two. Um, no, I uh, yeah, I, that's so confusing of a thing because then whenever he goes in and sees Robin Williams in this comatose state, the doctor is like, "Who knows? Could be two days, could be two weeks, could be two years." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, wouldn't it already have been two years at this point?" And I'm like, what do you mean? And and it's <laughs> these moments that I feel like Jeff Bridges. Maybe it's a matter of directing. Maybe, like I said, this feels tacked on. Maybe they're just. It was time constraints. It was a weird environment. He. It doesn't really feel like he's acting much for a lot of these scenes. The where he goes and sees Robin, he's like, "What? What? what you?" What, what do you want me to do? Go get the grail? Okay, I, I will. And then he goes and gets it. And it's like, re- what are we watching right now? Like, it, it's, it yeah. feels so uh, misplaced. It's weird, too, because it's literally like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Like, it's such, it truly is a tacked on thing. Like, tacked on is the best word for it because it feels so, so nothing. It he, feels it like there's no consequence. It doesn't to it. derail it though. It no, doesn't it, ruin it because it's not that much time. You know? Yeah, because well, that's yeah. It's literally it's just we're gonna throw a little button on the end of this to make this kind of you end up in the same place well, that you were just 25 minutes earlier. And then the end is very sweet where they're both naked and you, you know, know what? Like that's that's lovely. So we still get to end on the note that we should have anyway. Very different movie, but kind of similar in that. We could have ended an hour earlier and it's worse because it's an hour earlier and been the exact same emotional state is funny people. <laughs> uh, the, speaking of Judd Apatow, yeah. my biggest problem with Judd App with the movie Funny People is because I think that the and first Judd Apatow in general, yes, because um, I think that the first he knows how to write a good first two thirds of a movie, yeah. and then he will not put the pen down. <laughs> my guy, just stop. He's like, like, yeah, but Adam's like so funny. What am I going to say? Cut. Yes. No, here's the thing: <laughs> say is cut. That, I like funny people. I think I still might be like it's like a one of my favorite Apatow movies because whenever it hits, it fucking hits. But then we reach a good point with Adam Sandler where we're like we're at a good emotional level for him, and then we have him get together with his ex, and then we have him break up with his ex, and that takes an hour. And then we're like, well, we're at where we were already. Like, why are we? Why are we treading old ground? I don't know. And this movie kind of does the same it's, type of thing. It's like all you know. It's fucking hard to end a script. Like it is. It's the hardest part of writing a script for me. Um, and I'm saying that as someone who's pretty fucking successful. Yeah. So it, I get it. It just I don't know. It feels like someone else wrote that. Well, they they probably had multiple versions. They probably maybe they shot like there, a couple I, of different well, options. Yeah. There's and there's so much 
especially early in the movie that's not scripted because it's just all visual sequences yeah you know that it's just gilliam adding shit so who you know the original script is is not a gilliam script it's written by a different guy um there's just plenty of him added to the movie so we end up in a place where i still really enjoyed watching the movie it's just you know it's one of those things where you're like i think i know how to make this better but unfortunately i don't matter (laughs) shall we get to the categories yeah yeah that's it all right first category best robinism so what is the moment that we feel like best encapsulates robin his Uh, his penis his penis oh the naked hair jumping around the way the way he's jumping around like a baby (laughs) with his dick out (laughs) that's a great pick um i was just the first time that whenever uh bridges wakes up in uh his lair and it's like the most robin that he is in the entire movie and like i kind of wish that he did keep that level for the entire film it would have gone it would have been too much like i feel like terry had to tell robin to tone it down which is also a great moment but i love both of those picks i think i'm gonna have to go with the actual third pick which is the intro the first time we see him yeah, barge he, in with the full like yeah. he has like a sword and shield coming in to defend he, yeah Jeff and he's, he's speaking in like nightly yeah uh vernacular yeah so very fun yeah a lot of robin in any this. any other moments you guys feel worth shouting um, out th- the end where he's finally lucid and he's he's teaching everyone at the institution to sing yes what, that was very, allegro allegro that was very that was the real that was good morning vietnam robin Mm -hmm. you know it was like him being a just like a human who has such power to bring everyone together Mm -hmm. uh what's the best moment of the movie doesn't have to be a robin moment Uh, penis (laughs) yeah can can it be a robin moment i i really like the the little date setup moment where the the camera is like kind of going back and forth between jeff and robin in the doorway and then the girls in the in the middle of the living room. Yeah. And it's it's just so well oh, shot. That was, that was fun. And choreographed. And yeah, like the, yeah. the momentum of that scene is like really the, good. I just there's a good energy there. There's there's a very interesting chemistry between Mercedes and the other I don't remember her name. But didn't you not think for a yeah. half second you're like, they are so close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> are they about to- but then the camera is like right in between them and and you can see jeff and robin on the other side oh, it's like perfect it reminded framed. me it was like um when harry met sally reminded me of the phone calls yes! where like you yeah. know they're they're having the same conversation each right each couple is <laughs> you know it, yeah it was lovely that was one of my favorite parts of the movie but i think my actual pick has to be like the whole robin freak out with the flashback and, and running through the streets and everything like that was cool as all hell yeah, yeah. as much as that did kind of lead right into the part of the movie that i feel like we all had the most problems with that scene itself is is incredible um my pick is i already said it it's the central station just that the dancing man it's just so every good. just from the speech that the homeless man gives right into the dancing of robin because it's not as manic it's not the first time that you see robin following uh lydia amanda Plummer's character because you see him like chase her down as she's like leaving out of the business building and like all this kind of stuff like you see him following her before but this time it has more of a elegance to it and yeah it's very I'll, I'll throw in a special recognition for mercedes's oscar scene where she she asks him why he, he can't just love her mm-hmm. um, it's it's powerful she's 
any scene with her in this really has no right to be that good. Yeah. You the know, movie it really slows it down there. It could have yeah. been, it could have been very stock scenes for like a half hour of this movie. And I think they turn it into 45 minutes because she's so, she's unbelievable. Like she, she's uh, a revelation in this movie. It really is like one of those jaw dropping scenes, like where you do get, I mean, <laughs> pre spoilers, but you get the full, gambit of her like ecstatic like oh my god honey you're going back you're getting your old job yeah. back you're getting your shit together He's we should like, get to yeah. a bigger place like we should really start thinking about like expanding and then just like and even after slowly he, slowly slowly dives if it, after even after he like kind of pumps the brakes on it she still is like hey like i'm here like yeah take the time you need i love so you good she's too good it was frustrating to watch like most of the time because you're like what he's yeah. such a shit he's a pe he used to be a piece of shit and he still kind of yeah, is still kind <laughs> but then you remember, very much so then you remember like how most male female relationships are and you're yeah. like well yeah this is how yeah, they go. Then, you, then you remember how every guy talking into a microphone is yeah. just a piece of shit yeah. exactly <laughs> Now, now it would just be more passive aggressive. Like we, you know, we would just be like, no, I mean, like I love you, but like, you know, like how many stars? I don't know, <laughs> babe. I said you're four and a half stars. What more do you fucking want? Okay, like I don't. I enjoy watching you more than I enjoy you. Okay, you want to get to five? How about you start fucking doing the dishes more? <laughs> Good Robin or bad Robin? This is good Robin. Great Robin. Yeah, he, yeah. Does, he yeah. does a good job. I think it's I agree. tough thinking of uh, somebody else who could do this performance. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, how many Robins out of 10? Is, and this is the severity of Robin-ness. The Robin-ness is... It's kind of a little bit all over the place because he's not in the movie that much and when he is it's like sometimes you're getting like a five other times you're getting a 10 i think it's a 7.9 so yeah so it kind of ends up around 7. there 9. yeah yeah 8.07 oh i'm gonna go 6.9 wow oh, damn oh. low okay okay <laughs> honestly this is what pretty, they listen pretty for. cool of you <laughs> they listen for the the diversity of opinions <laughs> All right, we have opinions that range from six point nine to eight point oh seven. In terms of uh, made up stat <laughs> that we made up, recaging couch. Where does Nicolas Cage fit into this movie? Let's make him Jeff Bridges, baby. Let's Interesting. Go. Does he go? Does I he want, go low? I want. <laughs> I want them to both. Well, the thing is, so I think Jeff Bridges. I think that Nick Cage works in there. If we do my pitch for this movie, if we go full wacky and we just like ha go full fantastical, I want to see Nick Cage start out very like very like stern, like you know, I'm just a normal man. I just I have a I have a radio show, and then him go wacko alongside Robin Williams. Yeah, because like, that's arm that's the character, the right? The character gets like kind of pulled in. To that's, the that's what I want. Isn't that's a better movie? Get the fuck out of here, Jeff! Don't you that you prefer to watch that? Jeff movie. is an interesting recast because I couldn't help while watching it but think that maybe he wasn't the first choice just because it's a weird choice. Not that he didn't he he did a great job. Like I love him. He Jeff is an underrated actor generally, mm -hmm. even though he's got his Oscars. He he rules. But I here's something I came up with because watching Robin's character, um, the the entire date arc with him it, you know he's a homeless disheveled like smelly guy and he's they're trying to set him up on a date with someone that he stalks i couldn't think of anything but charlie from always sunny with the waitress mm. Ooh, um that's good so what if the 
uh, what if Jeff Bridges is Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Can we just make the Fisher King as an always sunny episode? Like that's a, that's a I sunny be, episode right there. I would be right surprised there. if it already exists. That'd be very fun. I they've mean, they've made like honestly, 17 seasons well, of TV. They've like, hey, shout out to Always Sunny in Philadelphia becoming the longest running live action sitcom in history. I also genuinely yeah. think that like back when Charlie was trying to make his star turn, like around 13, maybe Pacific Horrible Rim bosses. Era, um, I, I think that a movie like this could have made sense for him where he, you know, he he's playing the lovable insane guy because that's what he is in most things. Like, I think it would be a solid fit for him. Dennis, not so much. It would just be really funny to see Dennis, you know, because he's so such a <laughs> cold. Sociopath. Yeah, I don't think that Dennis is ever actually diving into the underbelly and fully Glenn <laughs> Howerton. I don't see it. Um I will say, because I was trying to just do some research as you were talking about if Jeff Bridges was um, the, the original the first choice. Um, I couldn't find that, but I did see the Grand Central Terminal, the Walt scene. Uh, Terry Gilliam, it looks like he came up with it kind of on the spot, and it shot with a mix of extras and passengers getting off the train. There's like some real-ass people who are just doing a waltz in Grand Central Station this yeah. movie. And that's great. That's you fun. love to see that. Oh uh, yeah, that, that's that's really lovely. Gorilla filmmaking. Wait, who else could Nick Cage be in this movie? Could he have been the lead? Could he have been Jeff? Could he have? No, no, no. Well, Nick Cage. I that that's my pitch is for. Oh no, sorry, Jeff. Could he have been Robin? That's well. That's what I was gonna say. Is I think the answer is weirdly it's no because I don't. Th- if he's going crazy like that, I don't think that he's redeemable. I think he just sucks. Like. You know what I mean? That's I don't want to see a crazy cage that you end up just rooting for him getting the girl. No, well, no, that's no, no, no. yeah. I want to see him being fully manic. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, this is right. I, this is 91. We're now getting into the point where cage is like starting to he's a Hollywood guy. He's known for being crazy. I think that if in another version of this movie where there isn't the heartfelt emotional angle, then cage could play the Robin role. But in this version of the script now who who could be the bridges role like genuinely because like i said i mean so i said planes trains and automobiles you do think it could be a younger steve martin role mm-hmm. where he's because he was really good at playing an asshole who learns to loosen up he did that like five times um but he's you know he doesn't bring the same sort of like ruggedness that jeff well, you did. need you need somebody who can do the you know, kind of the the straight down the middle drama mm-hmm. of this guy who's kind of fallen from grace a little bit. But you also need somebody who can do kind of the wide eyed wacko. So too. the modern planes, trains and automobiles. Well, what it was supposed to be was the movie Due Date with Robert Downey Jr. and Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we see that? Both of them in in both well, roles here. We could do one by one. I think RDJ, especially back then, makes a lot of sense. He's yeah. good at being a shitbag who has a heart. Yeah, he's yeah. great at that. He does it. And then Galifianakis as Robin. Galifianakis, if he wanted to be more serious. I think that's good. I like that. <laughs> think about it, right? You know what I just that thought works. about from this yeah, era? He looks homeless. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a better pitch than what I was going to say, which is just like, what if we just get, what if we just like get Rain Man and we run it back and we just do Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman no. in here? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Tom Cruise, I could weirdly see. I think he's oh, a little bit totally. too young. No, I think he's a little bit too young. Him, but uh, I think that him in the Jeff Bridges role makes a lot of dude, sense. That makes great sense because 
especially because of how weirdly cold he is at the end. Yeah. Cruise rocks. Actually, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, Hoffman. No, <laughs> hard. No, just like, oh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of just other like like buddy duos, like crazy straight men. Um, Tommy well, boy for <laughs> Spade and, and Farley. Jeez. Which one's which? What do you, what do you think? For for the Bridges role for Jack, I kind of would want to see the like the the soap opera uh kind of erotic version of this movie with patrick swayze <laughs> Ooh, okay but right. you can't have you can't have robin in there too i think that throws it off why rob do you think robin and swayze could hit it off who can swayze hit it off with it's not a woman <laughs> well swayze's too hot yeah swayze's too swayze's gonna get robin too hot. i was thinking soft i was thinking like any soft i was thinking like maybe john turturro <laughs> Swayze and John Turturro. You know, Turturro, I like. I like Turturro in this. Man, why not? You know, he's a weirdo. Um, what if we get a young Cuba Duking Jr.? Oh my God. Uh, or no, what is it? Uh, the RDJ. Uh, can we do RDJ and Jamie Fox? Can we bring back the pianist or the soloist? I'm just looking at oh like God. movies. Speaking of RDJ with the acting with a homeless. Oh my actor. God. That's that, yeah, that remember? Is what that yeah. movie's about. Yeah. That was, that was RDJ's original comeback. Um, People want to say that was Iron Man. No, no, no. He came back soloist. with the soloist. People okay. want to erase the soloist uh, a mystery. Similar, I won't. A similarly odd uh, movie to look back on like that, even though it's way more recent. What if we do Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart? Oh, the upside, dude! Yes, remember that. So, is Kevin Hart play the wacky homeless man? Oh God, That's, that <laughs> sucks so hard. Well, so did the upside. <laughs> it's such yeah, really a movie bad. we all what saw. What about a, um um? What's the uh, Will Ferrell Kevin Hart movie? Um, oh, um, the prison movie. Yeah, get hard, get hard, oh, get hard. God. Another shitbag who you can't help but like, Michael Douglas, as the as the DJ, he'd be great at that. He's yeah. he's too much of a sex god in this movie. No, no, no. Like at this time frame in 1991, he's still coming off of like Fatal Attraction and shit. like people people want to fuck Michael. Douglas. I, I, I don't I know want if they that do. energy I think in the guys movie. think that, but I don't think women feel that way about Michael. I, well, him, no, it's in, more in Fatal so, Attraction, him in that fucking V-neck, he looks like a joke. No, but here's the thing. You have to look back at the movies they kept getting cast in. And so that has but to he, mean something. But the something. thing is, he like he, he produces. Something. Like, he pushed those movies through. He was like, <laughs> he's like, that's like, how he sees himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm the sexiest guy in Hollywood. He, is he Mank? <laughs> <laughs> he wants credit. I, I want credit. I, want I, I don't, I want credit for I, being a horn dog. I lay pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't brought up like the biggest guy of the early 90s which is kevin costner <laughs> i don't buy kevin costner in uh any part of this role especially now as the jeff i think as he's in the jeff bridges part whenever he tries to be like cold and distant and then like turn on a dime to become like we're supposed to care about him again i don't I oh don't buy costner the other natural uh shitbag who you like a radio DJ would be Bill Murray, Ooh. especially especially if you go a little earlier, you go eighties because he was like passably Bill attractive. Murray, I don't want just, him to play ugly, it too straight. He got ugly so fast. Bill Murray in a dual role, 
<laughs> can we can this be his norbit <laughs> just it's his adaptation um no i again bill murray is another person who if we're going full wacko i love that i don't love it in this i don't want to see him just be like too like but he tones it down. he tones it he's like the sarcastic guy who's like talking to the camera like can you fucking believe this shit man no well that's Which, like, there's, that's there's a little bit too right bridges but there's a little bit too much self-awareness in his performances especially around this time that mm. I I think that why some of the emotional beats land is because there is a sense of sincerity to it that I don't think I not to say that Bill Murray is incapable of bringing that I think like Lost in Translation is mm-hmm. my favorite Bill Murray performances or like top five and there is a lot of sincerity to that role but I don't I don't know how he would have done with the juggling um uh, themes of right. this movie um as always, I'll, my category is the worst possible casting choice. And for everyone in this movie, the correct answer is, of course, Deadpool. <laughs> no, I, um, I have a worse one. Who's that? Bruce Willis. <laughs> I could see him being the radio DJ. And because of I, Die Hard, guys, he's kind of that guy who's sort of like, yeah. man, guys, it's too much, it's man. It's right there. What it's the right. Hell? You know what it is? It's you recast, you recast Robin Williams as Crispin Glover. Oh, oh no. Chris that's, Glover is the cheat code. That's, that's the worst casting you could do. Well, he guess, like he guess, like like shits his pants for weeks to prepare for the role because he's so serious. I, I guess hate, I fucking hate that guy. I guess early nineties is still like like Bruce Willis is still lucid to some extent. Like he could still like kind of because Pulp Fiction is like ninety four, right? So he's yeah. great in that. Mm-hmm. So you could still get like a performance out of him. Yeah. Now now you don't. Tim Allen. <laughs> Tim Allen with Santa Claus beard. Okay, um, Lee is dropping off beers and a can a opener. Can. This is Michelob Ultra. This isn't that fancy. We are we are just about to wrap up. Thank you. Hey, there's a shout sh- out to the Discord. Javi and Ray. Shout out. Fish? Thank you. You can join the Discord by donating at anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports the show. Any final thoughts on Fisher King boys? Uh, glad I watched it. It made me want to watch more Gilliam because he clearly, he got away with murder a lot in Hollywood. He, mm-hmm. They, you know, he forced his way into projects that he knew he wouldn't make commercial hits and he made them anyway with artistic vision. So that's really cool. So good for him. Yeah. I second all that. I also just want to say that I'm just so happy that we've had this podcast now for almost five years and I finally was able to get a Primus reference in on the pod. <laughs> and like, that's really, I can just go home just knowing that I got to say Primus lyrics on the podcast. And that's, that's all that's that what I you opened with. Yeah. Oh, going on down to South Park and myself in town. I think before my days are done, okay. I want to be a fish, a king. Got it again. Yeah, see, did it a second yeah. time. Wow. If one wasn't enough. Unbelievable. All right. Garrett, well, I'm gonna find Primus and Hook. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. They fish. They're in yeah, boats. They, 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 yeah. <laughs> Keep singing. It. I want <laughs> to be a Hook. The movie. <laughs> Peter Pan. Uh, email us at webottomic.gmail.com. Follow us at webottomic on social media. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a review. Give us a follow. And uh, yeah, uh, you can also do a voicemail at the same place where you can donate. Anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. 
Uh, thank you to all you beautiful, beautiful donors for supporting everything we do during this beautiful December time, guys. It's giving season. Mm-hmm. Maybe give yourself a uh, subscription to the podcast and get uh, access to exclusive. Give give yourself a subscription. <laughs> give yourself uh, the ability to give us money. Give a loved one uh, <laughs> a, a subscription to the uh, behind the scenes Discord. Give us your money. And give us you, your money. And if you use the code CyberWabam right now at Anchor.fm, you will get an error message. But then if you tell us that you got that error message, then we will send you a personalized thank we'll, we'll you. Ha- hashtag Spider Monday. Tom Holland will fuck your wife. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> How do I get in on that? God, in my dreams. He's five foot four and he's got <laughs> a 10 inch cock. <laughs> do we think? He's. Do, do we think Tom Holland, who's he playing in this role? In this movie, oh, the the does he play the, the drag shoots up the fucking <laughs> no the drag uh the drag queen homeless man yeah he can dance and sing yeah he umbrella can dance and sing. yeah there yeah you go. he did it he's already done it basically um check out our website wepotamike.net where you can find uh all the episodes of the podcast and you can subscribe to episodes in your email inbox every time we upload whoa next week is a big one hook a steven spielberg film Mm -hmm. spielberg guys you guys heard of him there's a new movie coming Um, musical guy yeah Yeah. you guys uh famously have been uh kind of dragging steven's name through Um, the dirt i just want i just want to make one thing very clear that i was a huge proponent of what is what his top two three movie of his entire career that came out a few years ago a little film called ready player one yeah your life-size wade wilson cutout is looking really good right now yeah you're no i think just that movie is just aged so well in the consciousness that like people are just you know not enough people talk about nostalgia Right. These days. And like, I'm just really glad that we have this to look back on. I was like, man, remember when like we had nostalgia? Remember I've, when we re- remember? I, I've heard his new little movie is great. I, what I, it's cute. What I've dragged is the fact that I don't remember. You probably listen to this podcast too. I don't listen to that many, but like it, it was like a producer, I think, of the post who said that they had everything arranged. So he just had to show up and say mm-hmm. action and not mm-hmm. do anything else. Um, that means you're doing bad as a director. That means you're. You um, think that's what happened on West Side here's Story? The thing. I don't know, he man. Did nothing. Well, no, but I mean, it's like if you'll do it for the post, which is like I don't just about as cool as a movie can get. <laughs> so I don't even necessarily. Uh, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried. I Ansel Elgort, you gotta prove it to me before I believe it. Okay, buddy. Can I don't, we just I pretend know, he's not in the movie? I I would love to, except unfortunately he is a co lead. <laughs> So it's kind of hard to hide that when he we starts get Christopher singing, Plummer when he the- starts singing, I'm going to start laughing. <laughs> Can we bring Mr. Plummer back from the dead? I, I have heard good things. So, you know, what? there's, you know, I'm, well, you yeah, can look forward sure. to hook next week. Um, and uh, yeah, what else? What else is there's a lot up? of shit? I mean, power of the dog just came out this week. Super fucking hyped for that. Gonna go out Jane Campion run. Um, we'll probably do a bonus Spider-Man ep. We're Spider-Man. definitely we're gonna uh, have an episode. Pizza, guys, that's coming. That's coming soon. Very, the the reviews are pretty insanely good. <laughs> Which I mean, that's kind of a thing. Like I heard 
PTAs and the rare camp where it's like he's got a new movie. It's like, oh no, this movie's. I'm going to be disappointed if this isn't a masterpiece. Yeah, that's which the isn't thing. a fair thing to put on any filmmaker. But that's kind of um, the rare fight areas. And we're definitely going to do an episode pretty soon where I talk about how I recently watched The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. Uh, be on the lookout for that. You guys can be here if you want. Do you guys want to do a rankings of like the best bad Christmas movies? I would love to do a Hallmark. Uh, centered episode about can we, we do did, good can we do good christmas no, absolutely what? not no well you know what maybe we could do and maybe this is something that needs to be taken off air but maybe we need to do a christmas draft like we did a halloween draft a few mm. years ago with different categories yeah. and, and one of the categories draft, has to be you can draft your home alones and then me and hunter are just of, gonna eat gobble up the one shit. of the categories has to be bad christmas film where we'll design like it has to be like a five or under on imdb ratings or something like that all right. Well, go, baby. look forward to Hook next week. Look forward to the rest of our Robin Williams series with uh, Fern Gully after that. And then Aladdin after that. So, you know, might spill over into the new year a little bit just because we do want to talk about all these uh, uh, awards darlings and, and you know, big uh, guys. There's a new Matrix movie coming out. A new fucking Matrix movie. You've always been one for Jason in less Rabbids. than a month. Like, this is real. It's happening. All right. That's true. So we got to talk about it. it. And then in January is that whole month is reserved for best of the year. Listomania. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get back to Robin eventually. 2023. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll, you know, we'll sprinkle it in, you know, as we have, as we have. So thank you again for listening. Uh, Thanks again to the Discord for tuning in. And uh, yes, yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, get your boosters, get boosted. Um, please, please, please. So My that we can sore as fuck. So we can all go see uh, Matrix Resurrections together, holding hands, eating mm. steak. Mm. What? All right. Big, big <laughs> cut of meat. Bye. Yeah. Dump <laughs> you remember water, the water scene? all over it. <laughs> Is the steak real? All right. We love you. Bye bye. <laughs>